I just believe these next six months are going to be absolutely uh, amazing, challenging, um, wonderful, um, however you want to describe it. But I know at the end of it, God is going to be God. And so I just want to encourage you and let you know that we do have direction as a church. Um, It's important that you have direction for your life. And so one of the things that I know that God has assembled, what God, who, what God is doing here, um, is that he's bringing prophetic people um, that are going to do life together. A healthy church is a church where people do life together. We're community. And there's one thing that I want you to know is uh, lately the Lord's really been um, sharing with, with me this concept of health and how important it really is. And um, there's something interesting. I want you to know that there is a difference between the American church and the church in America. It's very important that you realize that because I don't want you and I don't want to be deceived in thinking that we're looking at a timeline for the American church versus our responsibility as a church in America. Please understand that if you're part of the church in America, it's going to cost you something. It's it's going to cost you something. But the reward is absolutely amazing. It really is. Jesus is coming back real soon. He is. That doesn't fear you. It should get you to a place of preparation and being ready and saying, God, what can I do? And so with that being the case, I'm, I'm realizing now that there are hurting people out there that needs to know the healing touch of Jesus. And that there are people out there that are saying, I don't know if I can make it to the end of the month, let alone the end of the year. And so we have a responsibility as the church in America to understand direction. And so as pastor... Understanding the weightiness of that. I do believe that there is direction that is given. And I want to take my time this morning so that we don't miss the direction because we're doing life together. And we're going in the same direction. And so this particular message entitled God Give Me the Strength to Love. is exactly what is needed in this hour. And so I speak to the church in America. I speak to you as one who is prophetic, who is one that desires the heartbeat of God to be known. God wants to arrest you. He wants to spend the next few months sharing with you the depth of the reality of his return. He wants us to understand that priorities now must be set. That we must get our house in order for the return of the Lord. And so where we are right now is that people are asking, who has the answer to the situations and the challenges that I'm faced with? And so the church, this is our greatest moment to shine. It really is. I want you to be so kind as to uh, the person beside you. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hands on their shoulder. Just do that. If that's okay, just put your hand on their shoulder. First and foremost, your hand on their shoulder is letting them know they're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I want you to repeat after me. Say, God, give me the strength to love. Because it's more than what you think. (laughs) Heavenly Father, with your hand still on that person you touch, whatever situation they are facing right now, I pray that the love of God will move from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. I pray you give them a revelation of your love so they can do miracles. Signs and wonders will be performed in their life and through them. I pray that they will experience a love so transformational 
that they will see more souls won in these next six months than they have their entire life. Because your coming is soon. So give the church in America the love to preach to the American church. As we honor and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. 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 The world is confused between those two. They're confused with the American church and the church in America. Uh, the church in America has been built by Jesus. Can someone say thank God for that? He said in Matthew that upon this rock he will build his church. The church in America is praying this way. Your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The church in America is the ones who are saying. Father, your hour has come. Help me to be prepared and equipped for the harvest. What is confusing the world is not sin. What is causing the greatest confusion in the world is between the church in America and the American church. And when you go to share the gospel or the power of God, the world is saying, which one are you? Are you the American church or are you the church in America? Pastor, what are you talking about? What I'm going to share with you is this message of give me the strength to love because we have to, and this is, this is the text, this is the theme, this is what I'm dealing with. The Lord really showed me, says, you can't widen the line between love and hate if you don't have strength to do it. And so what happens is we have been wrongfully labeled as people who hate. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We are not a people who hate. We are a people who love. What they're confused about are people who are trying to bring a religion that's based on man's work and trying to convince people that it's God. And when you don't receive it, they're frustrated. And when people get frustrated, they get angry. And when people get angry, they murder. The gospel message is not a message of frustration. How many can testify that the gospel message changed you? So listen to me, church. The gospel is good news for this nation. It's the best news you will ever, ever share in your life. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the only message that can bring transformation to every area of your life. It is only the gospel that can do that. That's it. And so... The enemy would love for us to get sidetracked and live so close between love and hate that is so thin that people can't tell the difference between whether we love or whether we hate. And because we're so close, hear me church, they can reach over and pull us from a place of love into a place of hate to cancel our message. And so we're bringing healing to sick people and they don't want the medicine because they are uh, blinded by the God of this world that is telling them that this message is a message of hate and it's not. The message of justice is not a message of hate. Come on, if you're oppressed. If you're oppressed, if, if, if that's where you are, if the enemy's beating you down, a message of justice is welcome. Come on, somebody. But you want God to be the one who, who brings the vengeance to what's happening. And so we have, someone say, separate from the world, but not from people. 
We have to separate from the world and not people. And so the only way to do that is for you and I to pray, God, give me the strength to love. So in 1 John chapter 3, where we began, John is writing to the church. He's writing these epistles in the later part of his years. And he's writing, and, and what happened is false teaching has come in. And John is now saying, if you allow false teaching to come in, it'll mess with your morality. It will mess with the way that you live a righteous life. That's all that John is saying. And so John is writing now to the church and he's saying, let's get our house in order. Let us now live in a space. Let's live in a place of where love is so potent that every hurt, every issue, every addiction, every struggle, that when it hits love, it's transformed. And so John is writing now and he wants to bring encouragement to the church. And this is the message of encouragement. And so we began by first and foremost saying, you are loved by God. That's the message of the gospel. That you are loved by God. You know how many people, if the truth be told, don't believe that God loves them? They don't believe it. Now they say and that's because of the way they think. But they really don't believe that God loves them. How could God love me after everything I've done, after everything that I'm going through? How can God love me? Now, I'm not just saying that they question whether God loves them because, because they feel inadequate. Sometimes because of the stress and the struggle and what they're going through and the sickness, they're blaming God. They said, there's no way that God loves me. If God really loved me, why am I going through this? It's on both sides. And here you and I come now as the church in America and we're bringing this message of love and we're saying, no, it's not these two extremes. No, is that love is so potent that every situation, every struggle that you're facing, I want you to know that nothing can separate you from the love of God, the Apostle Paul said. Can I get one person who knows that to be a reality in your life, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God? There is nothing. There is nothing. My eyes were open this week. I was listening to this lady who was a former, uh, 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 she was a professor, and she lived in the LGBTQ plus community, and she's now out of it. And, and so look at God, you know what I mean? Now she's out, and, and, and she's talking. She goes, let me tell you when I was in what I looked at the American church. Not the church in America, because she got saved into the church in America. She was saying, let me tell you about the American church. And what it came across to me as. And she made this profound statement. I was like, what? And she says, listen. She says, people think that, that the biggest challenge is, is the, the sex and the same-sex attraction. And she goes, that's not what it is. Like, what do you mean? She goes, that's not what it is. That's the manifestation of something deeper. And she said, the, the American church goes after the surface stuff. <laughs> And the deep-rooted issue stays there. So what happens now is a person, based on the American church gospel, gets saved. And they now think, I can be this and this. Because that's what the American church teaches, because we don't want to offend. So we say it can be both. <laughs> you pick whatever day you want to be, whatever. And she said this, she goes, the greatest issue, and this hit me. She said, the greatest issue is loneliness. I said, What? She says, it's the fear of growing old alone. It's loneliness. And I said, that's for everybody. Everybody battles with that issue of being alone. And so we make decisions, we make choices on something that makes us feel like we're not alone. And so therefore, if it's another female, so be it. Because what they're fulfilling in me is the sense of loneliness. Because on holidays, when all the married couples are together, I'm alone. But guess what? In this community, oh, come on. In this community over here, you, your church, you're talking about community? Let me show you community. That I know exactly where I can go if I want to be supported, if I want to be believed in, if I want to be loved. There's a community perverting in your eyes, but in my eyes, it's fulfilling a need of loneliness. And I said, God, we got work to do then. We got work to do. 
Because if the gospel message is not addressing the loneliness, then my God, we're not preaching the gospel then. Because the gospel, absolutely, Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will always be beside you. I'm the one that fulfills you. I'm the one that satisfies you. So somehow the message of the love of God is disconnected somehow. Are you with me, somebody? And so it's the love of God that we need. It's only through the love of God can you love one another. And so we looked at that. And so here we are now. Here we are now looking at 1 John 1, 2, and 3. And with your Bibles, go there to 1 John chapter chapter 3. I want you to go there because, because what we're going to look at now is, is this statement. If I can get the statement uh, to come up on the screen. This is the statement that I believe is the game changer. This statement is for the church in America. And so when I wrote this down, it was absolutely, I said, God, give, give this to me the way that you want me to share it with them. And, and so this is how, this is how he gave it to me. This is the message to the church in America. If we want to get to a place where we address loneliness and we address every single issue, he says this. And this is what John was writing about. And he says this, do not be like Cain. Instead, love like Christ. That's what the message is. He says, do not be like Cain. Instead, love like Christ. Then he goes on and says this. The world hates you. But I love you because I live to love. For those watching, I want you to write this down. I'm telling you right now, this is the direction for the church. This is the message that we must be proclaiming right now. This is what John told the church back in the second century. And this is the same thing that's still being relevant for us today in the name that's above every name. That we should, and he says, do not be like Cain. Instead, do what? Love like Christ. He goes on and says, the world hates you. The world hates you. That's what, that's what John was writing. John says, listen, the world hates you. Jesus says, we're going to get into that. But he says, but I love you because I live to love. Can you imagine now? You are the messenger now and you're proclaiming the good news and you're telling people, hey, listen, don't be like Cain. They're going to say, who's Cain? But thanks for asking. Let's go back to Genesis. And let's look at the character that here is John. He could use so many different characters. He could have said so many different things. Why did John go all the way back to Genesis and do not be like Cain? We're going to talk about it because what we're finding is this, is that that is what people are characterizing the church as, that we are like Cain instead of showing the love like Christ. Let's do that. And so in 1 John 3, verse 12, he goes on. He says, what do you mean when I'm supposed to be like Cain? He says, watch this now, in verse 12 of 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, he says this, we should not be like Cain. Why? Who was of what? The evil one. He's telling us, says, Cain is of the evil one. And because he was of the evil one, what did he do? He murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. And so the apostle Paul is writing, and and, and here's what someone says. He says the root of Cain's slaughter of his brother was that Cain was in rebellion against God. So listen to me. What is happening now is that the world is in rebellion, not against you. It's against God. That's who they don't love. It's God they don't love. And here is God still saying, but I love you. I don't love you. I'm so glad I'm not God. None of us can survive that. None of us have the strength to continue to be rejected and still love. Come on, somebody. You may be able to reject, rejection, excuse me, once, maybe twice. But after a while, you said, I'm done. Not God. God continually to come after you and I. After we continue to reject him, God continues to show his love for us. My God. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? Loneliness, he comes after me. Rejection, he comes after me. Abuse, he comes after me. 
God is continuing to come after me. And the issue that we see people, it's rebelling against God, not against you. It's not against us. It's against God. So we are divided because we think that the enemy is after us. (laughs) The enemy is after God. And he will use whatever, whomever is close to God. He will do that to try to get God to go against his character. Come on. America, you think it's about us? It's not. It's about the God in which we serve. That's what it's about. So the reason why you must love your nation is not some political thing. It's a biblical thing. Come on. You can't, after seeing what's going on in the current culture, have the strength to love a nation. Come on. You will find every single reason not to love it. You find it to love to hate anybody. You can find it doesn't take a lot of effort to find something you don't like about somebody. It's real easy. But to love somebody, you've got to go to the strength that comes from God. Am I helping anybody? So we're starting to witness to somebody, and all of a sudden the enemy brings up something now. And just blocks you from your original assignment. They say something about you. They bring something up about you. And all of a sudden we don't have the strength. Now we're frustrated. And then we're angry. And now we murder. Maybe not physically murder them. But we murder them. And so we're being like Cain. We're of the evil one. Because you see to be righteous. If, my, if no one's ever told you this. The only reason why we're righteous is because of God. That's it. None of us is righteous because we did right things. It's because God made us righteous through Jesus. And so, are you telling me, Ro, that my battle with the unbeliever is not about me? It's not. It's about rebelling against God. They don't want God to be God of their life. And we must bring the love of God into what is happening, into what's going on. You know. Um, so what do we do then? He says you have to love like Christ. When I think about the righteousness of God, I think about Jesus. I I, I do. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything is about Jesus. The entire Bible, it's all about Jesus. It's, it's about Jesus. That's who we proclaim. That's who we declare. And to love like Christ, I, I love this account in John chapter 11. Um, if we can just go there for a second in John 11, uh, we find out that um, Jesus, um, someone he loved, is going through a sickness. It's Lazarus in, in John 11. And um, just is not there, but word comes to him that, that the one you love, he's, he's not doing well. And you must come and, and do something, right? And so in John chapter 11, we see that Jesus uh, says, and he, and, he, and he tells them, he says, well, um, I'll get there, but I'm not going to go right away. And so he delays it. And um, finally he goes, and, and Lazarus um, is dead. He dies. And so in John eleven thirty three, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up with, within him. And he was deeply troubled. So the question is, why was Jesus angry? Why was he troubled? What, uh, what, what caused Jesus and his love? What made him see this situation between Lazarus, who he loved. And he delayed to come and, and be there. And now he's, he's dead. And so the people are obviously grieving. And they're crying. Just like anybody would when they lose a loved one who is really important to them. And so they're showing their emotion. And Jesus shows his deep anger or he was deeply troubled. And, and, and the Bible says he asked the question, where have you put him? He asked. And, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And then 35 of 11, he says, then Jesus wept. He, he's crying. I, I believe the reason why Jesus was crying was because he's seeing the effects of evil and of sin. He, he's seeing what, what the sickness can do. He's, he's seeing the, the, the situation of humanity. Jesus is looking and he's faced with humanity. He's faced with the challenge of humanity and what this, this, this sickness that led to death, 
what it caused, what it created, and just is troubled now. And it says, we got we to gotta do something about this. We have to do something about this, this evil. We have to bring justice to this thing. And so Jesus now declares, I am the resurrection and the life. He brings it in from a place of saying that, listen, that I know I'm going to go to the cross. And so temporarily you're seeing these things. But there is coming a final justice. There is coming a final, a final verdict will be there. And so I see that you're crying now. But my love is causing me to weep for you. But I'm telling you, I'm going to go to the cross for you. Why? Because the love I have for the Father and I see what humanity is facing. He's saying, I can't wait to deal with this thing. I can't wait to bring the healing that you need. Jesus is weeping over your situation. Don't you think for a minute that he doesn't care what you're going through. Don't you think for a minute that he doesn't concern himself with you. He's concerned himself with you so much that he's weeping over the situation that you find yourself in and the evil that is plaguing our nation and this world. Jesus is not sitting back silent and no, he lives to make intercession for the saint. He's saying, Father, I've experienced what they're experiencing. I know what they're feeling, my God. And he weeps and he cries. So those nights when you're by yourself and you are weeping and you are crying and you feel lonely. No, Jesus understands the pain of loss. He understands the pain of what sin is doing to humanity, destroying relationships. And he's weeping. And he's, he's saying, will my church cry with me as well? And he said, I'm weeping over this nation. But I, I looked to the father and I said, I, I went once before and I'll go again. But this time when I come back, every, every tear will be dried from their eyes. Come on. When I come back this time, death has no place to go. When I, when I come back this time, everything that you've been wanting, come on, it's going to be made right. I'm coming back. I know you're weeping. I'm crying for you as well. So love like me when people tell you what they're facing. Find it within you to get angry, not at them, but get angry at sin and what sin is doing. My God, that way they don't think you're a hater. They'll know that you're a lover of God because you're able to cry with them and weep with them. It says, yes, I understand. Yes, you made that decision, but I've come to tell you that there's a love. There's an action. Are we weeping over our nation? Are we crying over the evil that we see? Or are we just increasing our hatred for people who know no better? He goes, and the crowd around him says, see how much he loved Lazarus. So powerful. So how do we love like Christ? Here's how we do it. And I quote from Les Parrott. He is a relationship expert. And he says, and I quote, loving like Jesus is the best way to live. When we love like him, we can step outside of ourselves and clearly see our loved ones and their needs. The most powerful message is that message. So why, preacher, why is it important then that I ask God to give me the strength to love? Here is why. Because I just described for you an opportunity to identify with humanity. And what happens if we go in our own human weakness, as opposed to giving them love, we give them license. And it says weeping with someone is not giving them license or approval. Weeping with someone is identifying the need of God's strength to pull you away. Come on. It takes tremendous strength to pull somebody up. And so this message is important is because we have to deal with people's reality. Because here it is. See, unconsciously or ignorantly, we give people license to continue practicing sin against God. While we think that we're showing the love of God. 
And if you look across the landscape and you look at what happened in 2020, if you see all that was taking place and I was observing all the different comments that were made, I'm like, oh my goodness, you had the American church, you had the church of America and you had all these voices going. And so what happened was this, that we gave license over here or we condemned over here and God is saying, no, stop it. Stop it. You need to have my strength. My strength to love is one that will cause people to understand that you need God. That you can't make it without God. That doesn't matter how many spiritual gifts you have according to 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't have love, you're just making noise. Come on, you can raise the dead, Paul says, and you can do great things by the power of the Spirit. But if you don't have love, you're making noise. And so, people need to hear God's voice and not the noise of people. So, we have to do this. We have to love like Jesus. Here's why. Here's why. Receive this. Here's why. Because, Because to love in the strength that comes from God. It is what is required to faithfully proclaim Christ, who is what? The head of the church. And at the same time, protect the church, which is his body. And so when we love in the strength of God, we're proclaiming to people that Jesus is the answer to bring transformation in your life. But we're also protecting the people we do fellowship with. So we're consistent in what we're proclaiming. And so therefore people can say it's of truth. And that's where he, Jesus says, they will know you're my disciples because what? You love one another. So to love one another looks like what? I proclaim Jesus Christ first and foremost. Are you proclaiming Christ? That's the message. To every addiction, to every situation, are you proclaiming Christ? And number two, are you protecting the church, the body of Christ? It's very important. Very important when we see that. And so when we look at this now, and we're saying to love like Christ, what we're saying is this. What we're saying is that we're too close over here that the world can judge us and can say what they hate. And what we're doing now is say, okay, fine. We chose this side of love. We're going to be over here. Why? Because we want to make space for you. The harvest is plentiful, but there's no room. And so we're right here like this. So say, I can't fit in between your love and your hate. So what we do then is because God gives us the strength to love, we now go like this, right? Separating from sin, but not from people. And we're making space for people to come in now. Oh, God. And now they realize, oh, there is room. Why? There's room to come here and to be transformed. So whatever I'm facing on this side, I step over hate. Come on, somebody. And I step into a place of grace. And right there we see the love of God. And now there's a community that keeps me from going back over here. Oh, come on, somebody. Because I tell you, in this community, you may dog it, but that's where I got life from. And if I come over here and there's no life, I'm going to go right back to where I had life. We call that backsliding. <laughs> to give it a word. But what it was is this. And so when people say, are you an affirmant church? No. We're the church that Jesus is building. And you're welcome to come into this church. Come on. Because of what Jesus did to get you in. And when they come in now, they come to a place of realizing this addiction Oh, my goodness, only Jesus can set me free from it. They come in now and they realize, oh, my word, this loneliness, only Jesus can do this now. And they come in now and they experience the love of God and they see miracles and they see all these things that are happening. It's like, wow, what an amazing community that I'm a part of. This is amazing. And so they come and they realize, now, you don't act like Cain. You love like Jesus. So the Jesus you preach about, you're living. And now I know it to be true. So let me leave you with this. How do we do this? Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And after I share this, I'm going to invite Abigail up to, to share with us. But this is, this is the practical part of it. This is the message for the church in America. 
Perhaps you're saying, Pastor, I still don't know the difference between the two. I want you to mark this down and remember this. In the days to come, you will clearly know the difference. You will clearly know the difference. Because the church in America, oh, God is raising up and he's releasing and he's saying, people, walk in your giftings. He said, there's a hurting world out there and you are the answer. Go in my name, love like me and go. So Paul writes and he, and he, and he, and he, and he adds to, to John or it gives more of a practical part to what John is saying. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2, I love, I love in this one, I love the Passion translation, translation. In Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, the Passion translation says this way, be imitators of God in everything you do. I'll say that again. Be imitators of who? God in everything you do. Everything in the Greek means everything. So there's no aspect of your life where God's not involved in. There isn't. There's no part of your life that God's not involved in. God is involved in every part of your life, or actually he wants to be anyways. He says, when you do that, for then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. He says that what happens when you do that, and then verse 2 says, and continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. I love that. I'm like, ooh, that's a nice word right there. That's a nice word. Then you will walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not read that so fast. Hold on a second. So Jesus was just more than a good moral teacher? Yes. That he was more than just the son of God? Yes. That he became the perfect sacrifice for us. Let's go back to Cain now and Abel. They both came and they brought a sacrifice. And God looks at Abel's sacrifice and says, yes. Because what Abel did, it wasn't the type of sacrifice that God was talking about. That's not what it was. Because Abel brought the, 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 the sheep and, and Cain brought the grain. They both produced from their strength. So it wasn't the type of offering. What it was, was that Abel, from the first, he says, God, I'm going to trust you for the rest. And he takes the best. He says, I don't know what's going to come after this, but I know who's before me. Oh, God. I'll say it again. I don't know what's going to come after this. I'm going to trust God for it. But I do know who's before me, and that's God. So I'm going to give God the best. And that's what he does. He gives God the best. But what Abel did was this. Hmm, let me see. Okay. Um, okay. It's an offering he wants, right? Okay. I'll just give him this. And we give of our best to ourselves, and we give the leftovers to God. And he said, if you do that, you are going to be challenged to surrender your life for other people. That you won't do it. It's impossible. If you don't give God your best, you cannot hear me. And I'm not speaking Greek. You cannot give to other people if you don't give God your best. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Because here's Jesus. He surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. Ooh, I love that. Ooh, that's good. That's good. A healing fragrance. So what Jesus did was this. Jesus said, I love God. And God loves you, so I will die for you because I love God. He breaks it down and he's saying, imitate that. He's saying, because, because that type of sacrifice is sacrificial love. Here's something I want you to remember as well. Remember, God gives unconditional love. Our love to God is sacrificial love to God. So God give us unconditional love. Our love to God is sacrificial love back to God. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow Jesus. And that is the root, that is the essence of us saying that we love God. And so now we know this, that it's a healing fragrance. So if you want to bring healing to people's lives, what do you do? Surrender your life. 
If you want to be able to work in the miraculous, to work in the miracles, to see transformation, the Bible clearly says, I'm going to give you power to cast out devils. I'm going to to, to heal. I'm going to do all those things. When God, how come we're not seeing these signs? God's like, well, no one's sacrificing. When you lay down your life and says, God, I lay my life down for this individual, you now position yourself in the love of God that God now flows right through you and you silence the enemy. You deal with unbelief. Come on. You remove everything that's blocking your way and you see the miracles of God taking place in people's lives and in your lives. That is so good. God still wants to heal. God still wants to baptize. God still wants to prophetically speak to us. And he's saying, live like Jesus. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So we get to this place now where if we love like Christ, we must address this. We must address that love, and I quote, is a self-sacrificing, Caring commitment, which in obedience to Jesus shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. Love is self-sacrificing. It's a caring commitment, which in obedience, that's the key, which in obedience to Jesus shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. So with this mindset and with this approach to love, Here's what we do then. So when we're talking to somebody, and it could be anyone in our inner circle. And who's your inner circle? It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be anyone that you allow in your inner circle. And in this inner circle, what you do is you say this. You say, I have the strength to love because in obedience to Jesus, I'm seeking the highest good for you. And the highest good means if I see an area in your life that is preventing you from experiencing the love of God, I'm going to speak to it in love. Because I want what is best for you. I'm not going to give you license to continue over here. I am going to, by demonstrating the power of God in my life, I am going to show you now that I am in obedience to Jesus, the one who surrendered his life, that I'm not going to trust in what Jesus is saying, and I'm now going to speak to you because I want what's best for you. I want you to experience this love that is transformational. So you got someone now that says, man, I walked away from the things of God. And you now approach them and says, listen, let's have a conversation. What do you mean you walked away from the things of God? What was the lie that you're believing? What was the thing that God was asking of you that you did not want to surrender to? Come on. What was it? Well, I came to church and someone said something and I did this. Okay, so that is the issue then. That's the reason. So here's what he's saying. He says, listen, you can't stay on this side of hate. Come on. I know you're hurting Jesus weeping with that. He didn't like it as well. Oh, God. He didn't like what the person said to you. He didn't. But he's saying you cannot stay on this side of hate. And I'm telling you, we can fill this church and have to have two services if we just took the strength of love, moved over here, and all the space for all the people who have been hurt to come in. Oh, come on, somebody. That they're over here and you're telling them, you can't live a life of hate. No, because you then will murder. You can't do that. You will be like the prodigal son in Luke 15 that went to the father and says, I wish you dead. That's the level of what happened. And some of our kids, when they treat us that way, that's what they're doing. They're rebelling against God, but they're looking at you and I, and they're saying this, we don't want to listen to what God is saying anymore. And we have to get to a place that says, please don't stay on that side of hate. Over here is the racial thing, and the, and the injustice is over here. And they can't get past it. Come on. And so the American church makes noise and they stay over here because it, for their benefit. Come on, somebody. But if we make space for justice and for, and, and for all that God has, people can come in now and say, you mean I can bring my hurt and come here and get healed? Yes. Yes, you can get healed. Good God Almighty. You mean what I did and messed up, I can come back? Yes. And now we can see a flow. 
that's taking place because in this community, listen, listen, the media won't tell you, but there's so many people who are in the lifestyle, LG, they're coming out. That was some conversion theory or therapy because the power of God. Come on. It's the power of God. She made this statement and I was like, wow. She says, listen, she says to all the parents whose kids are in that community. Here's what she said. You better love them better than that community. Ooh, because they know how to love. In our mind, it's weird. But in their mind, it's fulfilling. And so we got to get to this place. The church in America, it's time to get a hold of God. And say, God, give me every strength inside of us to widen the line between love and hate. My God, do you see the picture? Your kids need to know, is there room for them? Yeah, I'm making room for you. Mm. Can I bring my issue? Yes, you can bring it. Come on. You mean, what's the best way to not compromise? Come on. Widen love and hate. If you don't want to compromise, that's how you do it. Because if you stay on this side, you will compromise to make them feel good, but not make them know that they cannot be good without Jesus. They can't be good without Jesus. They can't be good without Jesus. I really want to go into self-love, but I'm going to save it. Because what the enemy, when I saw this, I'm going to to leave this. Because Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we have people who have been serving God and they really don't love themselves. They have no idea what that's like. I would suggest this. I would suggest this. How many of us really love because it's a delight versus love because it's a duty? How many of us really love because it's a delight versus a duty? We must love because it is a delight to know Jesus. Abigail, come and get the mic and come share with us. Don't you believe the Lord is speaking? Okay, Jesus is awesome because I woke up this morning and was feeling prompted that he was preparing me to share this um, this morning with you guys. Um, But recently, the Lord revealed something over my eyes, a lens of leveling, and I feel like he wants to break that off. Um, is in viewing people in levels of that religious mindset because sometimes we even cling to it and we um, look at ourselves and we try to perform then because we we got to reach this level. And sometimes we even believe the lie of like somebody is not ready for something. If, even if the Lord's prompting us, we'll believe the lie. Oh, they're not ready to hear it. They're not at that level yet. And I feel like he wants to break that off. Um, because it's not true, and if he's prompting you in it, um, to share it. And I know I was listening to Danny Silk this week, and he talked about how if we don't see ourselves in somebody else, um, we give ourselves permission to dishonor them because we're confused by it. So um, walks look different for everybody, and I feel like um, it was two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Rowe, I believe, had everybody raise their hands, like if preparing our hearts to be able to share with others and to share the love of Jesus, to, to share what it looks like. And I seriously felt in the spiritual realm that weapons were being dropped on people and he's preparing us. And I felt him even say that like, we are equipped, some of us are equipped with weapons that we don't even like have awareness of. So I feel like he wants us to pray into that, to ask him what those weapons are for, how, how we're to use them. And I feel like, um, he just wants me to share as well. Um, Just recently, I heard a pastor say, Jesus will never see us more righteous than he already does. So Jesus, what does it look like to have the lens to see others from that lens and only that lens, not a clouded lens of like what they look like or their, their walk looks different than mine or man, they're really struggling with this or different things of leveling like that religious mindset. 
Um, but he just wants to break that off and um, us to see people as he sees them. So let's go forward with that mindset and just break off levels or what it's we think it's supposed to look like and quit putting Jesus in a box because everybody's walk looks different and it's beautiful. And it's beautiful and that's the goodness of Jesus. So I just, um, Jesus, we just break off leveling right now in your name, Father. We don't partner with it anymore, Lord. We just partner with your eyes, with your heart, and just allow us to see others and honor others as you see them, Jesus, and only that way. We just thank you so much for the things that you've equipped equipped us with with that we don't even know um, that you've given us, Father. Just bring awareness to those gifts. Bring awareness to the ways that you want to move in the workplace, in marriages, in children. And Lord, we just break off the lie that somebody's not ready to hear. If you're prompting us, Father, allow us to just move forward with boldness and strength, Father. We just thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in this time, Jesus. And we just partner with you always. We love you so much. confirms what we talked about in Ephesians 5, walk in love. Though your levels are different, the consistent thing is you're walking in love. And if we do that, we'll see a move of God that'll be so attractive that people will be running to the house of God saying, that's where I want to be. I want you whether to be at your seat or if you want to come up here, You can do that as well. But in connection with this message, what Abigail just talked about, I believe it is Ephesians 5, 1, uh, Ephesians 5, 2, excuse me, walk in love. If we want to stop seeing people in levels, we've got to walk in love. You're not compromising. It's not what we're talking about. Please don't compromise. Please don't do that. That's not loving to compromise. Right where you are. God, give me the strength to love and how I see people. Let me see them clearly through you. Let me be a healing fragrance to them. I thank you. You've equipped me with gifts. And now with the strength, I widen the line between love and hate. So I walk in love. I walk in love. With Christ, my righteousness, I walk in a healing fragrance. So I declare you are my strength, Jesus.